Welcome to Weekdays with Jesus. Today's message from Pastor Ben Johnson is called From Death to Life. And today's song is a simple one, and I'll explain that at the end. So as I mentioned, we're celebrating Reformation as well as All Saints Day today. Um, but really, at the end of the day, what we are celebrating is, as we celebrate every service, is the gospel of what Jesus Christ has done. Some of the most powerful moments in my life when God has clarified value, sunk the roots of my faith deeper, opened up new aspects of kind of what life is about, has been at funerals. I think some of the most powerful sermons I've ever heard, and, and honestly, some of the most powerful sermons I've ever given, have been at funerals. Death is a topic that we all know about, and we don't like to talk about, do we? We don't like it. Death is one of these topics that, especially in our society today, we've, we've grown out of touch with. And in fact, we're making a lot of moves in society to not have to look at it, not have to deal with it. The sick of our community we put into special buildings where the sick go. The older of our community we put in special buildings where the older people go. And then we made other buildings where those people go when this is going when they're going to die. And and we kind of let, and then we spend billions and billions of dollars every year in our society for all kinds of ointments and creams and pills and anything that we think could reverse the reality that we are all actively dying. All of us. Now this is about that moment when you're like, super good opener. I'm pumped. This, uh, uh, yesterday morning, I taught at our confirmation, and during one of the breaks, the kids wanted to play some pickup basketball. That is my sport. I used to play for hours and hours. I played for maybe 10 minutes. I feel it today. Yeah. You ever get slapped upside the face with your age? <laughs> you know? Every single one of us is, to one degree or another, decaying. We're falling apart. The consequence of the sin within us is the process of death. And it says in Romans 5.12, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, death through sin, so death spread to all humanity because all have sinned. Like an evil, cancerous infection, sin permeates through us and through this world. We don't like to talk. We don't like to look at that. I mean, it's it's just easier not to deal with it. But when you go to a funeral, you gotta deal with it. Because the reality of the consequence of sin is right before you in a casket or an urn or in some way present that from ashes to ashes, 
That is where we go. And it's a brutal reminder. And, and when you come to a funeral, that's why it's so awkward and heavy because we know that's not how God created it. That you weren't created to die. We were created to live. We're all about life. God is life. And yet when you come to the funeral, you look at that and you go, dang, that's the consequence right there. And you're faced with the reality of your own mortality and the fact that that mortality rate's still hovering right around 100% for everybody. You know, I, uh, I remember this, this older gentleman, and, and he was this older man in, in California at the church where I served at. And I want you to picture the most stereotypical older man. Right? It was a Lutheran church. He was probably German. I don't know. But he had this walk. He had a cane. But he would kind of, uh, kind of like, um, like, from, like Bilbo Baggins from Lord of the Rings, but kind of had this walk or Yoda maybe. I love this guy. He was so fun. But every morning I would show up and this guy would look at me and he would say, tell me something good, pastor. Tell me something good, pastor. Week after week, tell me something good. And finally I asked him, I go, why do you always lead in with that? Why is that your first thing? And this is literally what he said. He goes, because I feel the world is just full of bad news. And I come here today to remember and be told again the good news. The good news helps me remember the bad news doesn't win. And then he would walk into service. Week after week after week. Until Jesus ended the bad news on him and brought him home. He was right on all accounts. First off, the world's full of bad news. It's everywhere. You can't get away from it. Right? And, and, and it seems like in our day and age, good news doesn't really sell, so let's just keep harnessing in on the bad news and all the brokenness. But I'll be honest with you, it is so prevalent, you couldn't get away from it. It is on display before us everywhere we look. The brokenness of humanity, the way it's spread to all people, this cancerous, this cancerous thing that just makes all of us selfish. And we're so preoccupied with ourselves and ego and pride and power. And, and it twists it all up in our, in our desire for control and individuality. And we make our own choices. No one tells me what to do. And that is the original sin pumping in our veins. I mean, Satan's crafty, but he's kind of a one-trick pony because it's the original sin. The original sin was getting Adam and Eve to believe that they shouldn't trust God and they should take control of their own life. Nah, God doesn't have your best interest in mind. You, you figure it out. And then he dangles some sort of fruit, something that we're going to take a hold of. And that fruit might be different for all of us, but it all drips down our face and is evidence of the fact we've all bitten into that fruit where we wanted to be in control. Don't tell me what to do. 
My life is my life. And I'm not going to listen to anybody. Now, we might not say it in so many words, but we feel it. You see it. Nobody likes to listen. Nobody wants to be told what to do. Right? We all got that screaming toddler inside of us. No! It's the original sin. That's why every kid's first word is no. Little heathens, right? <laughs> I'm going to spit coffee. Man, it's the original sin. We were born into this. You got the chromosomes of a sinner and the chromosomes of a sinner and they make little sinners. Guilty from birth, from conception. It's spread. On, on March of this year, I lost my, uh, my cousins my same age. And Jesus brought her home uh, through a really tragic way. But it was a complication with a seizure. She'd struggled with seizures. She had one and, and she died. And it's been, it was really tragic and very hard. There's, there's, we're all going to go through pain and suffering. But the loss of a child is, I would think, would be on the top. I mean, I, I can't imagine it with my daughter, so I, can, I can't imagine what my uncle is going through and went through. It was really hard. He asked me if I would do the funeral because we had kind of a relationship and he asked if I would do that. And I was, first I was honored and then I literally had momentary doubt of like, not that I couldn't accomplish a funeral, but I didn't know if I could accomplish that one and just make it through that. Because when I start crying, it just grabs my throat. And I can't talk. I'm sure you've heard it in sermons. And I'm a, I'm a little more hard on my sleeve individual. I run under the premise, real men cry. That it takes greater strength to be in touch with your emotions than greater strength to suppress them. All right? So I choose real manhood. Jesus cried, I cry. Hey, if you want to disagree with me, take it up with Jesus. I can't wait till you get to heaven and go, you're not a real man. <laughs> Real men got big trucks. You didn't have a truck. So I said, of course, I'll do the funeral. There was only one moment in the funeral service when almost, almost lost it. I'll tell you when I get there. But what I decided to preach on was straight from John 11. I don't usually do this where the scripture we kind of picked for the weekend, I don't really head into. Um, we'll touch on John 5. But I want to bring you into John 11. And we're going to read all 44 verses. I'm just kidding. Um, but I'm going to paraphrase and we're going to kind of walk through this. But if you have a Bible or advice, feel free to open up John 11. This is a hallmark moment. In fact, what happens in John 11 is ultimately going to lead to the crucifixion of Jesus. It was the resurrection of Lazarus when finally the Pharisees were like, we've had enough. Everyone's going to follow this guy. Right? So we've got to do something about this. So John 11 is a, is a very pivotal moment. But, but for me, the pivotal uh, importance of John 11 is on the attitude of Jesus in face of the reality of death. 
Because for us, there's nothing more intense than a life or death situation. Call 911. Whoop, whoop. Right? Code, whatever it is. Let's go. Drop everything, whatever you were doing, drop it and go. If one of you got a phone call right now, someone in your family is having a life or death situation, you're going to be like, well, let me just wait till the end of the sermon. We got to go. Right? Mary and Martha send word to Jesus. It's a life or death situation. Lazarus, who you love, is gravely ill. You would think this is a moment, whatever you're doing, Jesus, just drop it. Get here. Do something about it. But this is what Jesus turns to his disciples and says, nah, we're okay. This illness doesn't lead to death. But Lazarus is ill. Now listen. Lazarus is ill for the glory of God. Because the Son of God is going to be glorified through his illness. What? Yeah, your loved one's sick. Is that your prayer? Dear Lord, I'm not asking you take the illness away, but just glorify yourself through their illness. And yet, that's exactly what Jesus is saying. Now, should we pray that God takes it away? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Plenty of healing miracles in Scripture. Right? But this is what he says in light of the fact that his friend Lazarus is sick. He says, yeah, I know that Lazarus is sick. And he's not going to die. But he was allowed to be sick so that my glory will shine through his life. And then I was thinking about how many people, when they have faced their illnesses... And done so with incredible faith has stirred our own resolve in the goodness and in the kingdom of God. And I'll bet you there's someone in your life that you can think of right now. I could just start naming them. The reality of illness doesn't take away the goodness of God, but it is an opportunity for the reality of the kingdom of God to shine through that illness to say, I'm part of something bigger. And that's what Jesus means by my glory shining through, coming through the illness. So right off the bat, Jesus is setting a tone. Then it says he waited two days before he went. Two days. If someone in your family, you gave them word something was going on, and they didn't do anything for two days, mm, you might block them. I know you can't defriend family, but they're not getting a Christmas card. You would harbor that. You know you would. I would. Jesus waits two days, and then after two days, says, all right, let's go to Bethany. said, after saying these things, then they're heading there, and this is what he's talking to his disciples about as they walk to Bethany. He says, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to go wake him up. All right, insider knowledge, Lazarus is dead. To your eyeball, he's dead. Like his heart's not working. His lungs aren't pumping. 
Science says he's dead. But yet, look at the approach of Jesus. What is less, what, I mean, are naps threatening? Have you ever come home and your loved one was taking a nap? Unless they have like a breathing issue, you're probably looking and going, I mean, you ever walk home and be like, oh, they're napping. Of course not. There's no intensity to a nap. Jesus says, he's taking a nap. We're going to go wake him up. The disciples think he's sick. You know, maybe he had a fever. He's taking a nap. That's good. He's going to recover. And then John says, but Jesus was talking about his death. And then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And then verse 15, he says, And for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. Let's go to him. In one reality, the intensity of this situation is a life and death situation for Lazarus. In the reality of Jesus, there is a different life or death situation that is going on. And it's different than this. When Jesus approaches this reality, everything in his words, his body language, his mannerism says, I'm in control. I got this. He's sleeping. It doesn't lead to his death. He waited two days. And we know that he loves them. It's not, he's not apathetic. He's not lazy. It's not like he doesn't care. It's just he, he's in control. But there's a different situation going on over here that Jesus is more concerned about. And he brings it up to them in verse 15 when he says, No, la- to your eyeballs, Lazarus is dead. When we get there, you're going to witness a funeral which will contain a dead body. And then Jesus says, it's good that we weren't there because I probably would have healed him and you would have had a greater faith in my healing capability. But there's a different power I want you to have faith in. And that's my power to raise people from the dead. So I'm glad we weren't there because when we get there, you're going to think this is all bad news. This is hopeless. No one can do anything about it. And then I'm going to show you who I really am. And that is of far greater importance than this. So they arrive in Bethany. Martha comes right out to him lamb-blasting him. Where were you? If you would have been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. Jesus looks at Martha and says, your brother's going to rise again. And then she gives kind of the patented, yeah, 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 the resurrection of the last day. Sort of that, you don't know what to say at a funeral, right? You're like, oh, they're in heaven. Uh, It's kind of comforting, but not, you know? And then Jesus looks her right in the eye. And this is the moment I almost lost it at my cousin's funeral. Because <laughs> he looks her right in the eye and says, Martha, I'm the resurrection and the life. Martha, it's me. It, it's not far away in the future. It's not just 
a gift of science. It's not just this. It's not just this. Martha, it's me. I'm the resurrection and the life. Look at what he says. He says, whoever believes in me, though they die, yet they will live. Read verse 26 with me. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Let's read it again. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. You know what in Greek, what never means? Never. Never. So unless you want to call Jesus a liar, apparently what he's saying is for those who live and believe in him will never die. Never. Jesus' concern in this moment was showing his disciples not only his true power, but what it really means to belong to him. And the truth that he is speaking about is that for those who belong to Jesus Christ, they have passed from death to life. That's what he means in John 5. When he says this, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. And the father has life in himself and has granted the son to have life in himself. And the son has the power to give that life to whomever he desires. And you're one of them. Anyone that believes in Jesus as Lord has passed from death to life. They've been baptized. I died when I was baptized. You died. That was your death. You drowned. The old is gone. And part of the old is death. Now, is there going to be a day that my heart stops? Sure. My lungs stop? Absolutely. Am I susceptible to wiping out on, on my motorcycle and die? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, still, yeah, I'm not like a superhero. But make no mistake, no matter what the curse does to me, it's not I who live, it's Christ who lives in me. And he rose from the dead. You're never going to die. Ever. You're never going to be a part And the critical life and death thing that Jesus is talking about is is believing that and knowing that and sharing that with other people because every single human being on the face of this earth is going to experience the reality of death. And there is one message of good news, gospel, good news, 
that Jesus says anyone who lives and believes in me will never die. We as Christians love to make Christianity about a lot of weird things. We like to make it about the music we like, or the kind of things we sit in, or the kind of clothes we like to wear, or the denomination, or a political belief, or, 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 or. It's exactly what the Jewish people did before Jesus came. They got so enthralled with their religious system that in the process of making rules, boundaries, and laws, they just left God behind. I I don't ever want that to happen to who we are. I could literally care less about all that other stuff as long as you get this. That Christianity is about a relationship between you and the God who made you and a God who loved you so much that he would rather sacrifice his own son than be apart from you. A God who bled out. A God who carried the burden of your sin and who became your curse so that he would rise from the dead and be able to come to you and say, I am a new living way. Come. Repent, follow me, come on. It says in John 3, Jesus did not come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. The world was already condemned. It's already judged, guilty. And there's only one way to be saved, and that is through the free gift that Jesus Christ is offering. There's not a lot of ways to heaven. There's one, Jesus The power of the exclusivity of Christ. I am the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. He's what it's all about. The meaning of life. Jesus. Jesus. The meaning of life. You'll not find it in the brokenness of this world. You can be net worth 10 billion. It doesn't matter. Your political party could win the day. Woohoo! We're all going to die anyway. I'm sorry to be crass, but it's true. Now, I'm not a nihilistic. That's what that means. (laughs) It means we're all going to die and let it burn. I'm not that way. It means, though, that in our flesh resides a message of such power and relevance and truth that that's what we're for. I want undercover agents for the gospel, the good news. Yeah, get into politics. Go make some decisions. That'd be great. Yeah, get into the healthcare system. Go make some decisions. That'd be awesome. Yeah, get into, go be a lawyer. Go be a teacher. Go work with some kids. Go this, go this, go this. Yeah, 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 yeah. But we're all united on the one premise that Christ lives in us. So no matter what you do, no matter where you engage with people in this world, we are ambassadors, light and truth of the one message that truly changes lives. And that's, and that's Jesus. And, and you're, you don't have to have the Bible memorized. You don't have to have a doctorate in theology. And don't go out there being like, well, if you die today, where are you going? Like, don't be weird, you know? Like, be the kind of person you would want to be a friend with. 
and encourage people. Give them hope. Listen to them. And then when the opportunity's right, God will let you know. Talk about Him. Talk about what Jesus means to you. How has He changed your life? What's the kingdom of God mean to you? I remember sitting down with a young man one time and he really, really wanted to argue. <laughs> right? Good millennial. Really wanted to argue. And he was making Christianity about all kinds of things. And finally, at the end of this thing, he says, so why do you follow Jesus? And I said, you know what? Because I believe he rose from the dead, and I, so I'm going to follow the alive guy. I'll be honest, I don't see any other really good options in this world. I tried the money thing, it stinks. Try the relationship thing, it, that's hard. I try this, I try the sports thing, that's not working. Tried that, try, I've tried a whole bunch of stuff. And guess what? The only thing that's given me peace beyond understanding has been the truth of Jesus Christ. And the cross stands as this forever symbol that God cares. He cared so much that he gave his life for this. And then humanity's too complex to think it's accidental. Something created it. And it's so demented and twisted that something broke it. This makes sense. It makes sense to me. So if that makes sense, and this Jesus who walked on this earth way back when is the same one who's put this into my soul, and we raise our hands and we say, you are Lord, I believe in you, I trust in you, then my prayers at the end of my life, when I breathe my last, I'm going to open my eyes, I'm going to see him. Now listen, I'm not trying to be crass here, but if, you, if someone doesn't believe in him, and they open their eyes, and they see him, I wouldn't want to be in that position. And, and if I've given my whole life to him, and I open my eyes, and he's not there, I, I'm already dead, I don't think I'll care. But you know there is something inside of you that says there's something beyond this. There's something greater. There, there, there's something that we're going to emerge into. And that is, that's the truth of the kingdom of God in our soul. In Ephesians 1, 13-14, it says, In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in Him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit as the guarantee of an inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. The Holy Spirit is the thing that grabs a hold of you as the guarantee to say, no, this is true. And you'll go through seasons where you question or you doubt. That's not sinful, but it's going to lead you back to the truth. And it's the guarantee of something until you acquire full possession of it. Now, when will you acquire full possession of it? Well, if Jesus returns, which, by the way, would be amazing if it was today, right? Actually, the most graceful thing Jesus could do is right before my daughter gets to, like, dating age, he returns. And I'm like, ha, ha, ha. Don't have to go through that, right? That would be so cool. 
And people are like, oh, but don't you want to see her married? And I'm like, nah. I want to see her with Jesus. What if I get to be there on the day that when she meets him? I get a front row seat. How cool would that be as a parent? Be like, I told you he was real. If Jesus came today, hallelujah. No more sin, no more sadness, no more brokenness, no more depression, no more anxiety, no more racism, no more poverty, no more pain, no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more funerals. Maranatha, come quickly, Lord. But until the day Jesus returns, you acquire full possession of it when he brings you home. That's why you couldn't pin Paul down. Paul said, for me to live is for the purposes of Christ and to die is great gain. So they throw him in prison. He'd convert the guards. You let him out. He goes, plants churches. You threaten his life. And he goes, send me home. Because his hope, his identity, who he was, was not of this world. So this world couldn't do anything to him. And that's available for all of you. When who we are fundamentally cannot be touched by the brokenness of this world. And our hope is in something so much greater and so much more powerful. You're indestructible, man. (laughs) Man, you're something to be reckoned with. When the truth of Romans 6.23 and all of it for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord that sinks into the very recesses of your soul, that's what it's all about. But every single person that you've ever met is going to grapple with the reality of their own death. And the message that lives in you can make all the difference. It's not outdated. It's not weird. It is the most relevant, on-point topic to talk about. It's good news. And it's free. It's free. Same-day shipping. Immediate. Spirit. Life. It's over. That's it. Just believe in him. And that lives in you. But as the church, we have got to get over ourselves and not and just talk about it just talk about it yeah some people won't want to hear it that's fine right i talk about a lot of things people don't want to hear about doesn't mean i stop talking but for all of you today i want to just end it with the reality that what we believe is that through the empty tomb of jesus just like my old man friend, the bad news doesn't win. Evil doesn't win. Heartbreak doesn't win. Sin doesn't win. Jesus gets the last word and the first word. And that when you breathe your last, you'll breathe your first. As Jesus says, welcome home. I prepared a place for you. Let's go meet your family. May it inspire hope and courage and boldness in you as we go speak the truth of Jesus in our own lives. Amen? Amen. Today's song was written by Kip Fox, Nikki Peters, 
and Paul Cassidy. And I asked Nikki to share with us a little bit about this simple song. Our song Simple is all about the ways that we feel we need to do something in order to feel close to God, that we can't really approach Him unless we've kind of done A through Z and we feel ready or our lives seem ready to come to Him. You know, talking about how we know we're supposed to trust in God, but we feel like we still need to do something um, for Him to give us the things that we're hoping for, but how it's really ultimately, it's so simple. There's nothing we have to do to be close to God. He's right there all the time with us. Um, I particularly love the line uh, in the chorus that says, it's simple, you just wanna spend some time with me. I just think that's such a beautiful image that good day, bad day, pretty day, ugly day, God is excited to be with me every day, which is wild to think about, but the most beautiful thought in the world. And then we, you know, we looked into some other people throughout history, especially biblical history, who have gone through the exact same thing we have with Martha and Peter and Thomas, who um, felt like they had to do something or see something to be sure of God's presence. So it's not like we're the first ones to not know how to do this. It's been going on for a long time, but this is a nice little like reminder and refocus that is so simple. God's here with us. He loves us. Um, and I pray that as you hear the song, the words will mean something to you and uh, will be a blessing to you today. There's a part of me that knows that I should trust you. And a part of me Just want to spend some time with me and rest.